Welcome to Extra Musical, the podcast where we delve into the lives, thoughts, creative process, and hobbies of musicians and other creative artists. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit www.hiddencinemarecords.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything else going on at HCR, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash hiddencinemarecords. Today, we're joined by Molly Crow. She's the owner and sole photographer of the Midwest-based company Little Blackbird Photo and considers herself a natural-born collector, music lover, and storyteller with the most vibrant imagination. With more than a decade of experience photographing everything from local faces and events to concert stages and movie sets, Crow has built a reputation for capturing emotive portraits and bold live stills. She recently made her gallery debut, a photography exhibition entitled Playing to an Empty Room, a visual her story of live music in a lockdown, which documents the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the independent venue Westside Bowl and the Youngstown local music scene. Let's get to the interview. All right, listeners, uh, you're here on Extra Musical. Uh, you just heard a little bit about our guests, and this is Miss Molly Crow. Thanks for joining us, Molly. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Molly and I have collaborated a lot uh, on some of the records that I've produced or some of the tours that I've been on, uh, and she's actually part of the Hidden Cinema Records like creative team, at least uh, I, I say that, because we've collaborated so much in the past uh, several years. But like the listeners might not know you. So Molly, who are you? Like, What do you do? Where are you from? What's your story? So... My name is Molly Crow, and I am the owner and photographer of Little Blackbird Photo. Um, I have been a live music photographer uh, since 2015, Um, but going into this year, I'm kind of refreshing my brand in a way. Um, So like I said, I've been exclusively shooting live music. Um, This year, I'm actually going to be doing something a little more... um, like documentary photography where um, I'm more, I more want to capture just the, you know, the human connection outside of music because there's so many other places you can find it. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so where are you, where are you based? You, you, oh, yeah, you yeah. collaborated uh, a lot in a certain area. Yeah. So we, we have, work together a lot in Pittsburgh. Um, as of right now, I'm living in Youngstown, but um, I am planning on moving to Pittsburgh in the uh, future. Yeah, you. We. I think one of the times we were in Pittsburgh, yeah, you were talking about moving to Pittsburgh and liking Pittsburgh as like a, a basis of things. But like that Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania vibe, they're all really close to each other anyways, um, is uh, your type of deal. And Molly, as a photographer, has a very distinct uh, lens that she captures things through. Uh, I love it's either the way she's taking photos or the way she's editing photos. And I don't know what it is because I'm not a photographer. Uh, Molly's one of our guests on Extra Musical that is like music adjacent. So we have like musicians and composers and we have non-musicians and non-composers or non-musicians but creatives and I feel like Molly lies in that special like middle ground where her creativity often centers around music, but she's not the musician in the field. How did you decide to like land on music photography when you were like doing photography? 
Well, for so I do have a musical background. I what? Yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, no. Yeah, so I I um I took piano lessons for ten years when I was young. I played the clarinet in the school band. Oh wait, yes, I didn't know this. I knew about the clarinet part. Yeah, okay. Um, I played guitar and I played bass for a bit. I took lessons for both when I was in high school, um, and I was a very, very passionate karaoke singer for many, many years. Um, so I do, I do have, I have musical, I, I, I'm one of those people where I feel like I have enough musical background to relate to musicians. Um, and for me, it's, I think I've always been drawn to live music photography specifically because I was vicariously living through people that were performing on stage because it's just not something that ever really clicked with me. <laughs> that pun was not intended, but yes, it was. Oh, the, a photography camera click. Yeah, click. Oh. Uh, I didn't get it at first. I was like, yeah. oh, why is she laughing? <laughs> <laughs> That's even Thank worse. you guys. That was the episode, and we're so uh when you uh do your photography uh it's quite often like i i would say most most of the bands that you do are like more on the punk side or the rock side is that like where your like home base is or is it just like what you've collaborated it just happens to be where you collaborated the most that that happens to be where I collaborate the most because it's that I feel like that is predominantly what you see throughout Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's like that it's a very, very strong um, genre that we represent. But I also that is music that I grew up with. So there's a lot mm-hmm. more passion with it. Um, but in the same regard, like I am always in an, a dynamic onstage setting with those bands. Whereas I've never really collaborated with them, like on a portrait level, I've never collaborated with them in the studio. So it's very interesting oh. because the people I work with on stage are not the same kind of people I'm working with in the studio. And those aren't the same kind of people I'm working with, you know, for portrait sessions. So I'm actually I'm working with very different artists, but in very different capacities. Um, yeah. But I'm kind I, I actually prefer it that way because something that I, I take pride in is capturing emotion. And I feel like because it's kind of made itself out to be that way that I can better capture emotion, I guess. I don't know. I, but I think having almost having them like compartmentalized, it allows me to focus on different aspects of photography in those moments. So like when I'm in these live settings with these, you know, pop punk bands, I'm capturing the energy. So they're bright, vibrant colors. Um, And then the, you know, the other end of the spectrum is being in the studio and, and you and your orchestra are a prime example of that where um, when we were in the studio, the summer of 2021, at Audible Image, uh, Audible Images, I ended up editing all of those photos in black and white because there was just this timeless and, and classic feeling that you and the rest of the 
the crew were evoking through your instruments. And for me, it was like, I don't need any, I don't need anything to represent what they're doing. Like they don't need any color. They don't need anything. They just, the picture itself, like it sells. Um, so yeah, I get to like play around with different areas or, you know, based on the setting that I'm working in. It's interesting that you say that like you've compartmentalized the way or the people that you work with, or I guess the, guess the different functions of your creativity into different genres, because I think where I was introduced to you was not in your, um, your like punk live show photos, but it was actually in your portrait taking. So you took portraits for um, Caitlin Hedge, uh, one of my friends who I went to grad school with. She's a violist and violinist. Yeah. Um, so this had to be like 2018 or 2019 is when it happened, or uh, maybe 2020. Um, but it was like actually, I think it was 20. It was 2017 going into 2018, I believe. Yeah, it was. It was a while before I had yeah. contacted you for the first time. But I was just like. I need a photographer in Youngstown and I've seen the work of this one photographer and I know um, like one of her friends and I play with one of her friends. So like, let's ask her to do the thing. And then you did. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Oh my gosh. And I, I don't think I've ever called anyone uh, different uh, if you've answered yes first. Uh, <laughs> so I always come to you first because I really uh, like your style. It's interesting about your creative process when you say, that like you're trying to capture different things for these different settings. I've never really thought about it like that to me. It's like not, I don't want to simplify what you do. Uh, Cause I feel like it's just me on the outside looking in. I would just think that it's point shoot, but for you it's, it seems to be very different. So just like the way the color does color versus black and white or like that portion of the editing process, like kind of dictate the way you take photos or is it like, the reverse, like you take these photos and the way that that photo appears to you, the emotion that it evokes, uh, evokes is the way you edit it. I would definitely go with the latter. Um, mm -hmm. it's more or less, it more or less has to do with the emotion. And like I said, with, um, specific, like, you know, the difference is that specifically at live shows with these, you know, these heavier bands, these rock bands, um, so much is happening all at once that you have to keep up with it. So yeah, I feel like my brain is moving a mile a minute that I'm not even really, I'm, I'm not even seeing the pictures until later on. And, you know, but with the opposite where I'm doing portraits or I'm in the studio, I'm way more intentional about it. And I know as soon as I shoot that picture, okay, like this is going to be a black and white photo, or this is going to be a full color photo. Um, mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, when I'm, when I'm feeling that intentional, when I'm shooting nine times out of 10, I end up making it black and white because for me personally, it, it's so much beyond an aesthetic where it's, I feel like people pay attention to black and white photos a little bit more because there's, it's less busy. It's just very, it, it is quite literally black and white. Like <laughs> it, it, there's no busyness to it. You are focusing on the subject. You're focusing on the content. You're focusing on the photograph itself. Whereas sometimes, you know, you might get distracted by, there might be somebody in the background wearing a bright yellow shirt, or there might be oh, yeah. somebody in the foreground wearing, you know, something that's like super sparkly and like distracting. Um, 
so yeah, I, I definitely like that you achieve this very balanced level of it's like perfection in black. Yeah, and like so. that that visual uniformity that comes with yeah with evening out everything in black and white. I've yeah. never really thought about it like that. And I like that when uh, I see a lot of your photos, they are, I've never really noticed that you do do so much black and white, but I still feel the energy in a lot of the photos that I still see from you that are black and white, especially the live ones, even in the, even in like the, the jazz context that I've seen that uh, from like my stuff or from um, Jason Cush. I remember you took a, I did a session for him at Con Alma in Pittsburgh, and I was like, oh, man, these are very energetic. But it's kind of different in the punk setting because it's not just an energy on stage. It's a—and that energy seems uninhibited, like, a lot of times compared to, like, the jazz club setting where, like, the the audience is sitting there and they're not, like, participatory in the energy of the show. It's like, would you agree that that's, like, kind of— more energetic like that that punk scene yes for sure it's it it's very the way i see it is that like the way that the punk scene is is that it is it is an experience where it's an exchange of energy like from the stage to the crowd but with jazz scene it's very much it's an exchange of energy between the musicians on stage and you see it you see it because and, and it's one of the things I, I personally have grown to like about going to jazz shows is that you see your, your ha- jazz musicians are having their own conversations through the music. And I love watching, you know, one musician will be doing a solo and he'll, he'll, you know, be, and I'm trying to think of a, a great example, Chris Coles, Chris Coles was doing a solo. Um, it was this past summer um, at, in Akron for um, the, Rubber City Jazz and Blues Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were there for that. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We hung out that day, yeah. Yeah, and Chris Coles was doing a solo, and I just remember everybody, the look on everybody else in the group's faces when he was doing some of these scenes, and, like, people were, like, giggling. Some people were just like, yeah, like, they were getting into it, and it's just like, you guys have a very, you have these conversations where in the crowd, you're just kind of soaking it all in, but you're not, you know contributing anything to it it's very much yeah. between musicians but it's really cool to watch he's really funny when he plays like i don't mean that as in he plays funny he just plays such funny ideas or things that like he will latch on to something that i would never think to latch on to and then just make it sound so cool and i think it's hilarious it's like if someone made a rhyme if someone did like a freestyle based off of dr seuss titles and made it sound like the most killing rap in history and you're just like man that is such a funny idea to do where like i'm laughing but at the same time I'm I'm amazed because of of his musicianship. So and like when you bring that up, it's as the photographer who's collaborated with us a lot. It's funny that you're also noticing that as well behind the lens. And the thing is, is that those those are my favorite moments because those are those are the moments where you know everyone is playing just completely uninhibited and they're enjoying themselves and. Again, it, I'm like it. It feels like a conversation is flowing, and it feels very, it just feels very natural. Yeah, so those and, are, those are, I'm those glad. Are the kind of things I like. It's funny that 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 that's 
what you like because it's well it's not funny that that's what you like it's just interesting that that's what you like because you're you're documenting that conversation and we don't get to see the entirety of that conversation but we get to see stip it's like if you talk for photograph someone having a conversation you see the emotion of that conversation but we'll never know what actually was said out of chris cole's horn let alone like a conversation that was happening at denny's like we don't know but there's a picture of it so like thank you for documenting that process i for some reason it's like it's like second it, it, i have found out it is, it is very much second nature for me um mm-hmm. through you know i've been going to therapy and you know I've, i'm one of uh proclaim or what are they called self-healers they're uh yeah self-healers um it's like this whole thing with like our generation specifically is that we're seeing a big shift in the way we're uh, approaching our mental health and the way that we're taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I've through much of therapy, I've noticed that I've always been someone who quietly observes things from the sidelines. And I'm, it's one of those things where I'm very good at getting caught up in other people's worlds so it's almost like seeing those seeing those conversations or you know seeing those moments when you guys are exchanging energy on stage it's second nature for me to to just see it to know when it's happening i it's really weird it's some kind of like voodoo witchcraft stuff i don't know how to explain <laughs> it <laughs> i am the opposite of that where i just constantly talk at the loudest volume uh, and like rarely think of what I'm saying before I say it. So I appreciate your quiet intention and observation that counteracts with my boisterous spontaneity in verbal language. <laughs> was just talking about this at work today um because again like I'm I'm a very introspective person and it's 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 actually a burden at times because I think about things like way too far deep like <laughs> the other for for example perfect example last weekend I we were watching uh Titanic and I'm watching the movie and immediately like I'm just like oh my god all these people died because they were poor Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, just, bottom, the, the lower ship people. And just, like, my brain just immediately spirals into just, like, how corrupt everything is. And just, like... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, talking to my coworker about it today, and I was just, like, I appreciate the people of the world who will tell my waiter that my, they didn't bring me the right food because, like, I can't do it for myself. Like, I appreciate the people in the world who will... who exist like that because I can't do it. <laughs> I uh, I just liked the the steamy car scene because the handprint is fun, and yeah, that's what hard. I remember. Uh, that's what I remember from Titanic. That's all I ever remember. There's a My, steamy car scene. As I've as I've gotten older, it's just. My favorite scene is Billy Zane just picking up this child who's sobbing uncontrollably, <laughs> and he's like, "I have a child." A child. 
she I'm all she has in the world and it's like Billy's name. It's like the 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 poopiest man. He plays a really good poopy man. I don't like him in that but movie. But can we acknowledge that like Kate Winslet was supposed to be like 15 years old in that yeah, movie? And he's like 30 something? Like can we not gross. can we can we gross. not address how gross I'm these, sorry. These standards were and like I'm and, screaming. And, you know what? I'm gonna take it even further. I started watching this show on Netflix and it was about the um fundamentalist uh Latter-day Saints. Oh, is it the is it the people who with the oh my sweet, gosh? I, it was the stay I, sweet, keep sweet or something. Kelly, watch this. Ah, it's crazy. And there was one girl and she was 14 or 15 years old when she married the prophet and he was 81 years old. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Okay. She was, she was, she was 19 and he was 80 some years. Like he was dying. And, um, just like, can we talk about how just like, why is this? Why, why was that? Okay. This is problematic. <laughs> can someone I talk about this? <laughs> I don't know what's with, with like back and going back in time. And seeing like these very very large age, you see that in movies like all the time with like leading men, and then like the the women that they're paired up with as like their their partners. The dowry. And, yeah, no, 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 no. They're getting not the dowry partners, <laughs> but I mean like it'll be like a movie with like George Clooney, and then the woman who's supposed to be in love with him is like twenty years younger than him, and I'm like, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. can we not encourage? Can we just can we address how problematic this is? It's like I, you know, like I, it happens. I'm not gonna hate on it happening, but it just happens too. It never happens in the opposite direction. Actually, actually, I don't know if you guys what what day is this? What what day is this coming out? I can't remember on the release order, and I often talk about the release order in the same. But I think. This is coming out. Yeah, I think this is coming out around the time of Magic Mike. Uh, so the new Magic Mike movie, I've <laughs> I've never seen a Magic Mike movie. It doesn't matter if I have before. I'm allowed to watch movies, but <laughs> but Salma Hayek is like the lead romantic person with Channing Tatum, and for me that was really refreshing because I was just and it shouldn't be refreshing like to, for me to be like, oh that's refreshing, but like. Salma Hayek, who's probably, like, 15 years his senior, maybe, maybe a, a bit more, they're, like, in love, and she's producing his show. And I'm like, oh, that's killing. Like, she's like, you've awoken something in me. I'm like, oh, good for you, Salma Hayek. But, yeah. I would I would definitely say that cougars in Hollywood are, have become normalized and uh, celebrated. Um, yeah. But I, well, think it's be, I think it's because this, the, the, the current generation of what we consider cougars are these, I mean, they're beautiful women who have just ate. Like, look at Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's in the new season of, okay, I'm going to get, she's in the new season of. uh, It's uh, only murders in the building. Yes, I saw that today and I was like, what? I can't wait. Oh, well, not in the new, wait, yeah, in season three. Yeah, because we just watched it too. Yeah, yeah. So it's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is too. Yeah, what the crap? It's such a good cast. 
Oh my, it, it was we already were, a good cast. It was already a good cast. You're absolutely right. We are very far off topic. Someone driving in their car right now or sipping their morning tea or on a run or maybe they're five taking years a poop. in the future. Taking a poop. They're five years in the future and they're like, I thought this was a music podcast. And you're like, it is, but it's also extra musical. And now, like... We, we've talked about some things outside of music that rejuvenate us. Obviously, it's like Netflix series sometimes. And I feel like some people might say, well, that's basic. That's what everyone does. And guess what? Artists are everyone. We're just other people. We're just our, like you. And our skill is art. <laughs> if you prick us, do we not bleed? <laughs> <laughs> if you turn on Netflix, do we not still watch? <laughs> artists? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I only murders in the building is one of the shows. One that's of the, on Hulu. Yeah, that's one of the shows. I newer shows, I should say, because I do problematically. I just watch the same shows on repeat that I've seen like a million times. I could, she was watching Gilmore Girls before we started listen, recording the episode. If, yeah. If you ever, if anyone ever needs me on their Gilmore Girls trivia team, I am a listen. I am your secret weapon. I've seen every episode so many times. I don't need to tell you. But every answer is Jared Padalecki. It's not <laughs> because nobody nobody actually likes Dean. Dean Dean was a horrible character. Wait, his name is Dean in that show. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Because his name. Wait, his brother's name is Dean in Supernatural, right? I I do not know. I do not know oh. Supernatural. Oh my my gosh, my two best friends, uh, two of my best friends in high school were Supernatural stands. Anyways, you're a Gilmore Girls fan. You uh, teams for what's it called? Team Jess team, for Rory. I, for Rory, you got to find the man for for Rory Gilmore. Who's Jess? Jess Who's he played by uh, Milo Ventimiglia. Oh, really? He's in that show? Yes, he is. Oh, like a young him, the mustache dad from This Is Us, and the guy yes. from Heroes. But he is a bad boy. He is a. Oh. He is the boy from the wrong side of the tracks. He, oh. uh, yeah. He's very clean but, shaven for a boy but, from the wrong side of the tracks. But he uh, he reads a lot of books. Um, oh. Yeah, he reads a lot of books, um, which is really on par with me. So in a lot of ways, I am like Jess. I'm a an angsty teenage boy. I am. I consider myself an angsty teenage boy. That's how I identify. <laughs> your biggest challenge with staying like creative and like staying working I guess with photography or staying creative with your photography and like how do you tackle it like the angsty teenage boy that you are I don't force it Mm. I I'm I very much will I am very much a believer and I if I don't if my heart's not in it I'm not gonna do it um, and that's why, like, 
even with like social media, like, because I feel the pressure as an artist slash a creator, I feel like the pressure to have content, but it also comes back to, I'm not going to post content just to post it. Like, that's not why I do this. This is not why I exist. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't put pressure on myself. I just kind of let it flow through me. And, um, usually when I do it that way, the answer comes to me. Um, or I just table it. I, I, um, for example, I started working on a book that I want to publish. I started working on it in 2021 and then I didn't touch it at all in 2022 because, I got busy because I was just frustrated because I didn't, I didn't know what I needed to do. I didn't know what the next step was. And um, Mm -hmm. I had taken time away from it and ended up approaching it from a completely different angle. And now I'm two years later, now I'm ready. Like, okay, now I'm ready to revisit that project because I took time away from it. I reshifted the way I looked at it. Um, which is pretty much what anybody will say. Like you should walk away from something and like give fresh, put like putting fresh eyes on things. And but yeah, don't, don't force it. Cause it's just so not like that, be right. That time and, and separation from anything that, that might pose a challenge, like gives you the clarity later in, in the process. Like, I mean, that in a year is, is some time. So, like, it must have been really interesting to come back at, at it with fresh eyes and go, oh, yeah, this is the, a different angle. It, it wasn't – when I came back to it a year later, it was um, – it was more or less like, okay, this is more – I realized that instead of, you know, creating a book and instead of doing a gallery show, this is more feasible. This is, this is something I can do, and um, – I think a lot of it was I was afraid to take mm. such a giant leap from going from nothing to going straight to a book. Um, but I think, you know, having that time in between and, and saying, wait a minute, this, this gallery show, this is a good, let's, let's see it. Let's see how it goes. And then now that I've done this show, I'm like, okay, I, I clearly have the support um, that I could do the book and I've done most of the work for the book at this point. Like at this Pretty much all I'd have to do is the layout, um, which is not to say it is not an entire nightmare in itself. But 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 Um, knowing that no, go ahead. Oh no, so you're the podcast guest. You you go ahead. (laughs) Um, No, just just seeing that most you know a big chunk of the work is done seeing that I have the support for it, seeing that it's relevant and having that validation that it's relevant. Um, now looking at it, it's just kind of like, no, this, I'm totally going to do this. I can do it. I can pull it off. I can make it happen. And, uh, I think just having that time away too, and you have, you build confidence in yourself. At least I hope that's what you're, you would do in that time away. Yeah, I hope so too. It would also be really poopy to get back and have less confidence in in what you can do. And I'm glad you saw the like support in the community around you, in the community for your photography and what you bring to the musical communities uh, that you collaborate with. I mean, it's really important to document 
the the visual aspect of it all because it's not just like the the sounds are important, but without the visual aspect of it, it's 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 missing a lot. I feel like, especially in modern day, if this were like the eighteen hundreds, yeah, I mean, you know, take a let's do one portrait, and I get this portrait for the next thirty years. But that's not what we're accustomed to, and and what we're used to now. We're used to to seeing all the moments and seeing all the moments through very specific lenses of the people taking those moments. And uh, uh, your show, which I've yet to see because I don't live in the area, but your show that you were talking about, that's kind of like the stepping stone to the book. Can you tell us more about that? Because you were uh, talking about it a little bit uh, a second ago, but what's the show? So the show is called Playing to an Empty Room. It's a visual history of live music in a lockdown it consists of 75 photos, um, 75 of thousands of photos, but I narrowed it down to 75, um, 75 photos that I captured during the 2020 pandemic at Westside Bowl. Um, as everybody knows, during that time, we didn't have any live shows. Um, Westside Bowl was able to host live stream shows, and I was very fortunate to photograph all of them. So all of the pictures in the show um, were taken during that time. And, and, you know, you're seeing musicians at some of, most of them at their most vulnerable state. Um, Yeah. So it's a very candid and intimate look at that time. And um, my goal is for people to feel really depressed when they look at it because it, it was a heavy time. Like, yeah. if we really, like, if we want to, and I actually had a, uh, a fellow, uh, also a musician, um, his name is Corey Grinder. He plays in a honky-tonk band from Akron slash Cleveland area called Corey Grinder and the Playboy Scouts. He actually made a trip down to see the show, and um, he he had said, like, it was just a very heavy feeling because he's like, I remember exactly you know i remember these feelings and um in conjunction with the photos on the walls every picture um has a caption um the caption is either a quote from the national independent venue association it's a quote relevant to the 2020 pandemic it's um quotes pulled directly from performers that were part of the live stream series um, so I, I tried to make this like a very emotive and almost in, interactive kind of thing. Um, I even put QR codes on those cards, like at the show, um, so people could scan them and watch the live streams if they wanted to. Oh, to like see the actual music of the, yeah. or the actual music of, of the photography. So yeah. in the, in this like kind of candid and very intimate, um, setting where it's the musicians on stage it's you it's a sound guy and maybe like two other people what what do you feel was different from the shows with like the same types of bands or the same bands i mean like i'm sure you've seen at least one of those bands again uh to for to take photos of them in like a live environment a regular live environment i guess what how did that feel like, what was the difference? It's it's very, 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 very weird to be at a show 
or watch a very loud, like to watch a metal band or a punk band, it's very weird to watch them and there not be anybody else in the room. Because Mm -hmm. for me, especially when I started out shooting bands back in like 2005, like these were shows where people were in mosh pits. You know, and that's just that it's very weird to be in that room and there's no mosh pit. Like it's, it's a very weird feeling. Um, for for some of them like the singer songwriters um it wasn't it wasn't as weird because um I shouldn't say it wasn't as weird it was a different kind of weird um because with those you're used to hearing like everybody talking over them or like just the sound of the atmosphere in general, because, you know, nobody actually listens to acoustic singers, you know what I mean? Like they always talk over them or, um, their, their sound isn't loud enough. So that was like, not, it was, again, it was a different kind of weird. Um, but yeah, the absence of, of people in the room, um, it's hard to explain, but I also, I kind of loved it for a long time because I felt like I was getting my own private performances and um, it was an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to keep creating and to keep growing. And, and I did, I, I really, I made it a point to challenge myself uh, when I was doing those live stream shows, because again, it was, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. We didn't know when live music was going to come back. And for me, it was like, right. this is the only way I'm going to shoot live music or bands like that. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, and uh, it's good that, uh, well, it, it seems really cathartic that in that time of despair and in that time of uncertainty that there was, like, an opportunity to have that music and so many artists were able to do something and then you were able to, like, contribute to that environment and then also that you have this, like, story out of it, too, where you're like, wow, I experienced, like, a bajillion live performances for no one for me but like really for no one in that room it was for everyone at home but no one in that room which is such an interesting and yeah i've been i mean so my high school years were was going to punk shows at uh the blue violet cafe in rochester pennsylvania that was like our local like punk venue and i couldn't imagine being at a show with nobody that just seems like the weirdest thing it's very, like it's very, very weird because you're just like, there's no, there's no mosh pit. Like, and that's, and you get, you, and you feed off, you get that. And like I said earlier, like you feed those, those kinds of shows are very much participatory. You are feeding yeah. off the energy of each other and to not have that, it was very weird. Um, but again, with, you know, the singer songwriter, you know, it wasn't weird in the sense that like there wasn't anybody there because it's not as participatory. It's very much more of a somber performance. It's an internal thing. It's, it's very much that thing. But again, like not having the dynamic of, you know, people talking over the person singing, because, you know, that's, that is one thing I did not miss. Like I love that problem because even today, like if I'm at a show and people are standing and they're talking during the opening act, I'm like, why are you here? Just like go, go somewhere. Just go yeah. away. Or at least just like walk away from the stage. Why are you in the area where the stage is? If there are two separate areas, go over there and talk. Like some go of us are trying to and talk. Yeah, just shut up. Like, oh, we here at Extra Musical 
promote listening environments. We promote the participatory listening environments. We promote the quiet listening environments, but we do not promote the talking over people while they're playing environments. Signed off by Molly Crow. Also, I would like to add, can we stop taking a million pictures on our phones or recording everything at concerts? And can we just be there? (laughs) It's funny because like, because like you're the photographer and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm more, I feel like I'm more there than you. I don't like recording while I'm out because I I just, I'm watching it through my phone. Yeah. Like I'm there. I don't want to watch it. So I, I actually don't have a lot of photos of when I go to shows and performances. I have like one and it's usually before it starts or like partway through because then I don't want to keep recording because I'm there. I have no pictures on my phone from my own show. All of the pictures. I I have none on my phone. I, uh, I have some Polaroids. I got some mini Polaroids, um, which I did do that. But I actually hired a photographer for the night. And I haven't even gone through all the photos, but I know there's over 500 pictures from the night. Um, specifically because I'm like, I want to be present for this. And I yeah. know that when you're taking pictures, you're not like, I know when you're you're taking away from the moment, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Just I I. I feel like some people argue that they are, and you know, if you if you honestly feel that way, then sure, good for you. But maybe as an experiment, as an experiment, ladies and gentlemen, you should know. Just, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Don't think about anything else. Just listen to the music. And change your life. Yeah. Put your phone on DND. <laughs> Dungeons like, and Dragons. No. <laughs> Going on Dungeons and Dragons mode and starts uh, and starts slaying and starts yeah, slaying. Oh uh, no, my phone's a bard. My phone just it just sings and heals. And I don't I don't play D anD D, so I don't know what bards actually do. I just know there's a lot of bard jokes. like a piece of advice to give to someone starting out in their like artistic journey as a photographer or someone who like documents processes through some sort of art, what, like, what advice would you give them? Do define. Okay. First, first would be figure out what your definition of success means because it will make, It will make the comparison game because you're going to compare yourself to others because we live in the, we live in the age of social media. But if you are able to define what success means to you, it'll make the comparison game that much easier because um, it could, it could be something as simple as for me, especially I'll be like, Oh my gosh, look at so-and-so they're able to fly across the country and do this. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that though like look look at what they're sacrificing because they're doing that it's you have to put that into perspective 
Um, and I think the second piece would be don't try to do what everybody else is doing. Do what feels normal and natural to you. Don't force anything because when you're forcing it, you're not, you're not creating from an authentic place and you're just, you're just trying to be someone else. And while that could be considered flattering, it's, you are not that person. You are your, you are your own self and you can only tell stories through your perspective. You can't tell them through someone else's perspective. So why try to imitate someone else's perspective is what I, I guess I'm trying to say. I feel like that the same thing happens in music where it's like, yeah, you learn all these rules and you emulate all these people to learn how they played or learned how they wrote, but it's not so that you can play, you can sound exactly like them. It's so you can formulate your own sound, knowing all that thing, knowing all those things. And like, if there's something that really doesn't speak to you in that playing and like, you know how it works, that's great that you know how it works, but no one's forcing you to play it. So like, don't yeah. play it like that if you don't want to play it like that. So that's, I think that's a great piece of like, the comparison game is heavy and real. So I, that I wish someone would have told me that when I was 22, because uh, actually I think it got worse as, as I got older. Has Instagram got more algorithmy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's gotten worse as, as social media has gotten worse. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I hired a musician early. I'm a terrible millennial. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think as we grow older, we're, we're seeing the, the detraction that it brings. I don't know. I think we have the, we, we saw what life was like without it. Yeah. But then we also grew up on the burge or like the 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 sunrise of it. So it's like So funny you say it that way because I was just talking to my boyfriend and his brother about this and we were talking about um I was telling him how we used to have my growing up we had a minivan that had in the center console in the front, it had a VCR and it had a little pop-down screen so you could watch movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, and we were talking about it, and I said, you know what, it sucks. It's that kids today are never going to understand how cool it was to have that. Like they're never going <laughs> to like they're never going to understand what it's le- what it was like to be able to do that. Like they they've always had technology, so they've never experienced life without it. So they they don't have that appreciation for it. So, like, I have the appreciation for it, but I hate the direction it's going into because it's just making people very stupid and lazy. I said the same thing about music, where I uh, I was talking about how they're very used to streaming. I was talking to one of my classes, and I was like, yeah, you guys are just used to music being, like, pseudo-free. Like, you don't really pay to listen to it. You might pay for your service. So you might pay for app uh for Spotify Premium or Apple Music. And for you in your mind, you're like paying for music. You're doing your due diligence. But in reality, like not only are you paying pennies compared to what people before you paid for music. So your music is a lot is not only cheaper by literal number comparison, but by inflation comparison. And then your access to it is just in 
sane. Like when we were younger, we had a physical medium we had to purchase to play, whether that was compact discs or uh, uh, cassette tapes cassette or tapes. yeah, or, or vinyl, like whatever generation you're part of, someone still had to, until the dawn of streaming, someone had to buy a physical medium for you to get that. The medium might have changed, but they had to buy something so that you could play that song, and then you would play that thing to death because it was what you had and what you liked and what you appreciated. So you really knew this person's discography or this this album, Back to Front, but, like, maybe you didn't know all the music that they, that you, this person had or the person wasn't releasing 30,000 albums in a year because it took, like, five minutes to make. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It is, uh, they're, they're, it's, what is it, a catch-22? Yeah. I guess that's, yeah. Or a double-edged sword. Like there's, there's so many great things that have come with the advancements in technology, but yes, you know, it's great that we have music at our fingertips and and that it's accessible like that, because obviously everybody should be able to access music. It should not, but in the same regard, you know, it's like you said, it's pennies in comparison to what we were paying when you had to go to the store and you had to buy the album or you bought the single at the store or you. Yeah. Buying the single. Yeah. Buying the Yeah. Like I have, I bought singles. I still, I have my entire CD collection still from when I was younger. It's got to be at least over 200 CDs. So I didn't start collecting CDs until I got into high school. Um, so my, sister i would listen to her cds up until like middle school so i know a lot of boy bands i'm telling you bro if you put on nsync celebrity cd i'd give it to you back to front but when i was in high school i started collecting cds and those are the cds that i have now and as a musician i just really like i still really like buying the physical medium because i know that i'm supporting the artist that i claim to admire um and it's, yeah, it's more expensive than paying $10 for the streaming service that I still pay for anyways. But, like, I feel like the support is, is important to me. For me, it's, I guess now I'm in a, I, I very rarely buy albums now because the cost. Yeah, because right. I don't really, I, I don't necessarily have the space for them, and I'm trying not to own a ton of things. I'm trying to actually like get rid of a lot of things. But as far as having the album, it's so much nicer having the physical album. Um, and there's just something about being able to open it and go through the book of it and and read the lyrics and read the liner notes, and that's just there's a joy in it that you don't get it right. with you don't get it with streaming. I feel like that's something that's being lost, but, uh, you know, there's something that was lost to our generation that we're not even thinking of right now that some 60-year-old is probably like, yeah, but you're not mentioning this. And, you know, random 60-year-old who's listening to Extra Musical and has made it this far into this episode, thank you for that thought. Please <laughs> which, let which us also, know. Which also bless <laughs> you for making it this far. Like, Yeah, bless you for making it this far. You're a real one, as the children say. You a real one. All right. Be for real. <laughs> anybody, anybody who can manage to listen to me ramble on for for more than uh, 20 minutes. Bless you. 
Oh, we're not rambling. We're freestyling. We're this is a conversation back and forth. There's no rambles other than our our portion about the Titanic and only murderers <laughs> in the building and Netflix. And I don't want to keep talking about it because I'll get too excited about only murderers in the building again. Um, so, any anything that you want the listeners to like know about you um, coming up or like. W- any suggested listening or reading? That's what I, I like asking that because it's like, what are you reading? What are you what are you consuming that either gets you away from music or help you with music uh, or help you with photography, I guess, is in, in this case. So I am a big, big, I really like reading like sociology and psychology books. And um, I just finished a book and it was actually a journalistic approach. Um, It was called All the Living and the Dead by Haley Camel. And she interviews various people who work with the dead. So she interviews a former executioner, an embalmer. She She meets someone who works at the Cryonics Institute. She like, it's, it's, crazy um looks like freezing people like walt disney yep 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 oh it's not um so talks about death and uh i'm i'm very much uh like i said i'm very interested in sociology and psychology and um with my photography the direction i'm going in is capturing more authentic human connection so Outside of suggested reading, um, you have the show that you've been working on uh, that's currently at the Soap Gallery in Youngstown, Ohio, but might, I don't think will be by the time this episode um, premieres. Um, is there a question that you wish I'd ask you? Hmm. I guess, where do I see little blackbird going yeah where, where do you see, see little blackbird going um i would really really like to see i would really like to acquire studio space in the future um my my goal would to someday have the space that would be a studio space slash um if you've ever heard of live from daryl's house <laughs> no what is this it's with Daryl from uh, Daryl Hall from Hall and Notes. He has no like, what he's like. He like I've only seen like a couple, but it's like this YouTube series where he has like bands come over and like they'll he'll like interview them or talk to them or whatever, and then they'll play. So I kind of want to do something like that, but on a local or regional scale. Um, oh yeah, especially because I'm planning on moving and moving to Pittsburgh. Um, being in that location would be awesome. Um, just because of who you're catching between, you know, New York and Chicago. And, you know, we've got Cleveland is right over there. So I would like to see Little Blackbird um, become more of a, a lo- like a community thing. I don't know. Something yeah. more community involved. And I, I definitely want to have more involvement with the local music scene. Yeah. So Little Blackbird media little blackbird uh uh community foundation little blackbird studio uh something Um, yeah like a maybe a studio maybe i don't know but like oh my gosh can it be called the crow's nest 
there so there is a place in Youngstown called the Crow's Nest. Son of a gun. But I guess I could have one in Pittsburgh if I wanted to. No, you put an E at the end, and it's like the crow's nest, and then in parentheses, with an E, like my last name, and there you go. <laughs> that's that's it. Where, I'm going to the crow's nest. Where are you going? The, the one with the E or one without E? One with the E, of course, man. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. See? We're already, the branding's there. <laughs> I would also like to do more... Uh... I would like to ha- be able to contribute photos to publications. Like, I actually want to, I want to be published. That's definitely a goal, is to When you say publications, published. do you mean, like, magazines more so than newspapers? Uh, any national or global publications. Any. Anything. Yeah. Anything. Anything. Well, um, we're, we're hoping the same goals uh, happen for you. And extra musical, uh, or not, and extra musical, but the same goals happen for you that you just said. Uh, this was an interview with Molly Crow of Little Blackbird Photo. Uh, where can our listeners find you online if uh, they're looking for you? Uh, so I'm on the internet at www.littleblackbirdphoto.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram uh, as Little Blackbird Photo. Um, yeah, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Yeah, I, um, TM Disney. Cause... <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Stop laughing, Wayne. <laughs> Bro, thanks for joining us on Extra Musical Molly. Uh, As always, I appreciate when we get to laugh together. I will see you sometime in the upcoming months. But for everyone listening at home, I hopefully won't see you because that would mean that I can come through your speaker. Uh, From everyone at Extra Musical, (laughs) peace out, y'all. Thanks for uh, coming, uh, Molly. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) I almost said thanks for having me. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I'm supposed to say that. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Musical. Extra Musical is a Hidden Cinema Records production. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and look out for future episodes. Bye for now.